Hey everybody, it's Rajesh here. And Tane here. Welcome to our podcast, Baskets of Knowledge, Chats with a Difference. In our podcast, we invite guests from around the country and around the world to talk about how they got to where they are at the moment. It's about a journey, it's about an experience, it's about their life. Kia ora everybody, welcome to um, another episode of Bastards of Knowledge and as I've said before, I'm going to stop telling what the numbers are because um, they'll just keep on increasing, which is great for us and hopefully you enjoy listening to them. Tane, back. good to see you again, we missed you last week on the last yeah, podcast. I, I miss being on the podcast, it's, yeah, it always sucks when I'm not on there. Yeah, but it's okay, you're a busy man, you've got to do what you've got to do, so um, mm. you know, it's not like you're just sitting at home lying in bed, otherwise that would be awkward. Yeah. Um, so since we last spoke, what is what have you put into your basket of knowledge? What information or knowledge have you picked up on? I think two, uh, probably two pieces of or two learnings, I suppose. My first learning was more surrounding. Um, it's coming to the time of year around exams and stuff like that, but it's also been a good chance for me to reflect on my whole journey now that I'm so close to graduating, um, and so getting. Uh, being recognized for some of the things that I've done within the university space has been quite cool because obviously we don't always seek that appreciation but it is nice to sometimes have that you know so that you can reflect and see that you are actually doing something good and meaningful um, and I guess my second learning is that now we're coming to the end of the year um, and now that some of the residents from the hall are starting to leave I guess realizing that you know sometimes you take for granted the people that are around you and the support that's around you and I guess that's something I've learned from this year is that I wanted to come into this job knowing that I was going to help the first years, but I didn't actually realize how much they give to me and how much sustenance they give to my life. So now that they're leaving, it's a bit surreal to, you know, have it, have it the other way around. Yes. It's pretty crazy. I mean, two fantastic learnings right there. You know, a lot of the times, uh, I guess humans are divided into a couple of kinds of kinds of groups. There's people that go out that seek, seek to do things to get recognition and there's those that do things just because they want to do it. And if they get recognized, they're like, oh, you don't have to give me this award because I wasn't actually seeking the award. So it's really awesome that um, you have been recognized for, for the stuff that you do. And the second one is probably the biggest biggest learning because I think I face that every single day in my job. And I'm really privileged. Um, you know, you say you get into, you go into work, you do the job because you wanted to be there for a young person. And as they leave, you go, wait a minute, they have taught me tons of stuff. And I... Every single day, I meet some amazing, inspirational, aspirational young people, and um, I leave every session going, wow, I learned something about that person, which I would never have done if I hadn't crossed their path. So um, I totally um, resonate with those learnings, and they're great learnings, and I think that's going to happen as you go on to your, whatever happens next in your life, so those are really awesome. My learnings, what have I learned? I've learned that, I think one of the biggest learnings is I did a bit of, bit of training this week in a... So I've become an extended disc practitioner, which basically is a is a profiling tool, blah blah blah. But part of my training was um, a pretty interesting thing because um, in the training we learned that each one of us has a authentic self that we have. You know, it's part of our DNA, which has been linked to our culture, our upbringing, our values, our beliefs. You know, all that, all those really deep rooted things. Um, and then there's the other side of us: we wear a mask. And the mask is what we need, what we put on when we're in a situation, in a job, in a, in, in the gym, in wherever we are. And then the alignment of your real self and the, the mask is so crazy. And sometimes the mask is in such a space that it doesn't align with where you really are, which is why you're unhappy. And um, you know, a lot of us don't realize that. We just assume we are, I, I want to say unhappy. I mean, you know, 
you know, not, not just sad, but just low high energy output for low low impact. Um, so to me, that was a great revelation, but also reminded that hey, everybody, everybody has a mask on, you know, and that's just human nature. Right. Um, those are my learnings, and hopefully we'll come back into that in today's in today's conversation. But we're not here to talk about the two of us because we've done that already. We're here to introduce one of our our guests. And you know, as I always say this, you know, we go around the country to find some people that we think are aspiration, inspiration are just amazing humans. And we've been very lucky over the last well, basically all our shows, we've got some amazing people. And today, um, I am really honored and privileged to introduce someone that I've known for a very, very long time. And I think it's someone that um we're gonna hear a lot of cool things from, but also someone that I because just an amazing person. Uh, welcome to our podcast, Helen. Hi, Prajesh. Hi, Shane. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, Prajesh, that was very nice words, but <laughs> that's, that's the truth. That was the truth. And Helen, you know, it could be I could talk about who you are and what you are, but what I'd love you to do is just tell our our listeners a little bit about who you are at this point in time, and then we will explore a lot about you. Yeah, sure. So, kia ora call Helen Hong Tofu Ingwa. Um, I immigrated with my parents from China to Wellington back in 2002. And that's where I grew up. Didn't leave until I was 18. And I did the classic thing of like leaving the nest and going down with a whole bunch of my friends from high school to Otago. And then I did like my time in Otago and then I moved to Auckland and I actually moved to Auckland in February of 2020. Um, oh, so I still feel very new to Auckland. It's technically been like two years, but you know, yeah, oh, 16 months into lockdown. So yeah, yeah. Exactly. Auckland or your flat? You know, what did you get to know better, right? <laughs> I I have moved five times while being in Auckland um, oh, from wow. apartment to apartment to a house living with five other people. Um, and then back to an apartment and then another apartment. So this is my fifth oh, in Auckland. Oh, Joyce. So you know that you know the real estate landscape pretty well with your rental hunting. Yes. yes. Oh, Joyce. And what are you doing now, Helen? What's what, where? What? So Helen's in Auckland now. What is she doing in Auckland? Yeah, I finally finished university. Um, only took me eight years. <laughs> yeah. So eight years, four pieces of paper later. I am a technology strategy and transformation consultant at Deloitte um, with my other home being in their health practice. So I focus on our New Zealand health clients, which I find really rewarding and very, very exciting. Oh, so, brilliant. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you for that, that share. And um, I'm now going to take you right back to the Helen I met in year 12. And if I said to yeah. that Helen in year 12, hey, Helen, when you finish your study, whatever your study is going to be, you're going to be working for Deloitte in the role that you are. And what would you have said? What would you have said to me? I, I think you know what the answer would have been, which yep. is ridiculous. That's preposterous. I'm going to be a doctor. Um, nothing to it. It's not going to end up in tech consulting of all things. Don't be silly. Exactly. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be the same. <laughs> I mean, the same as actually this is a, this is a bit of a silly thing um and let's talk about that so you know when i met you all those years ago um yeah. the goal was the goal was to become a doctor so you tr you traveled down to the university of otago to study okay. health side first year and what is that like for you um first of all i guess you said at the start that you you followed your friends off you, you don't follow them you just went down your friends happened to be there at the same time 
what is that like for you leaving home for that for that time there um on a bigger journey yeah um I think well for me it was very exciting um because there were so many of us going down um and I think you know we'd we'd met you you talked great things about Otago it's like very much uh thing like if you go to Wellington Girls a whole bunch of us go to Otago it's a great place to like really find your footing as an adult um and obviously you have the comfort of living on campus with 20,000 other students um so for me it was really really exciting um I was quite over high school I think I burnt out more than just a little bit after year 13 so I was like you know what time for something fresh yeah <laughs> exactly go on to this big adventure going down to Otago. I was very fortunate to have a scholarship, so I wasn't terribly worried. I knew which hall I was going into. I knew who was going to my hall. I knew my friends were also going down. Um, so we rocked up in February 2016, and we were all there. So, yeah, it was actually quite a comfortable transition for me, I would say. Um, and obviously, my hall had been fantastic. I am a ex-St. Margaret um, person but I think for me that was actually a very nice landing pad they were very supportive um, there was always someone that you could ask a question to and get answers from so it felt good yeah oh, and then that... oh sorry oh, sorry sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah and then going into university that's starting my first year health side and realizing that med wasn't for me. That's another emotional journey in itself. Yeah, which we'll which we'll touch on as well. I think I think one of the one of the really um awesome things here is that you you found the transition really smooth because you know a lot of young people worry about the transition. It is it is it is a crazy transition for a lot of people. But mm. the fact that you were ready to move and the fact that you you were I guess you're comforted by the fact that hey, you knew where you're going in terms of there were people there, your finances are all sorted, and you were just just time just time to leave. And that 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 makes life so much easier when you transition. Yeah, and I'd also say I was very fortunate um, that my parents made sure that I was taught a lot of those basic like finances, how to pay bills, how to change your IRD address, like all those things that you kind of don't really get taught how to do in high school, but you have to figure out as an adult. Um, my parents were really good about making sure I knew everything that I had to do. Um, so I had that like nice foundation to really lean on. Um, so I had all that reassurance with me. And I think my advice would be for any high school student just to like talk to your parents. There's a lot of great online resources now, like it's definitely not what it was eight, nine years ago. Um, yeah. There's resources for everything these days. and doing the prep in advance does help. So you can enjoy your first week in Otago and not have to worry about all those. Exactly. And it's quite timely. I think this is for anyone that's going to any tertiary next year that, hey, you know, the, the tertiary process is simple in terms of everything is there in front of you, but it's the other, the life stuff, the life stuff, like Helen said, how do you, how do you make sure you, you know you're paying your bills? How do you make sure your bank account is all sorted, IRD, but also things like um, how to use a washing machine, how to use a dryer, how to, how to actually buy the correct rice or whatever you you enjoy um i have, yep. I have a funny story um i think the person listening will know who i'm talking about um there's that one young person i know who moved from home and they had to call their mom basically all the time they were at the supermarket to say hey mom what should i buy what do i need to buy 
And um, it, it sounds funny at the moment, but because they didn't know, and that's not their fault. Yeah. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And um, when you're living at home with your family, your father and mom and dad does everything for you. This is the time when you go, actually, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. Awesome. That's, 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 that's a great learning right there. So now let's talk about this lovely, so you, I want to be a doctor. This is Helen who wants to be a doctor. She enters HealthSafe first year. Mm-hmm. What is that? What is that like for you as you enter with all these other young aspirational people that all want to be doctors or dentists or those professions? Yeah, um, I guess for me, one thing I do know is that if I don't love it, I can't do it, and it's an absolute chore to try and get myself to do it. Um, what that turned into was basically I had my first week of lectures and I realized I really just didn't vibe with anatomy and physiology. Um, so hugs, one-on-one, not for me. Um, and I think from that, like a couple of weeks later, I was like, okay, this med thing's not gonna work out if I don't enjoy human body systems at all. Um, and thankfully, I guess we had done a few different competitions academic competitions how nerdy does that sound um in high school and I did really enjoy biochemistry and so I was like you know what don't have to do meth that took a few tears um yes and yeah, because, but, because I guess, guess your identity yeah. was tied around being a, at that yes. point in time identity was I'm going to be a doctor at this point in time yeah. so it's, yeah I'd wanted yeah. to be a doctor since I was eight years old yeah. um that had been like my driving force to university um and then all of a sudden two weeks in I was like oh oh no so it's not it doesn't look like it's gonna be my thing um but thankfully I had previously liked biochemistry um and I'd done like the NZ bio olympiad in high school and I was like yeah this bio textbook that we'd use in there was the textbook that we were using and um biochem 191 um and I was like yeah like I really like this cancer research yeah sure <laughs> pivot right then I was like done deal that's it. I'm going to do cancer research um yeah, yeah. so and after I- first year health side I pursued the whole like bachelor of biomedical science pathway instead yeah and, and I love what you said because it really dovetails into what I said right at the start about how we have our natural inclination of who we are and our and our mask. And you could have just played this mask of, of I want to be a doctor. And as you said, mm-hmm. right, right, Lisa, if you don't love it, you won't do it. Now, there's a lot of people out there that don't love stuff, but they do it because they have to something that they, they married to the identity that this is what they were going to do. And so it, it takes a lot of energy. And you said a lot of tears for you to go, actually, this yeah. is not aligning with this. So see you later go down to this year um, yeah, i will say though i have always had and this still carries true to this day my main driver for whichever field or career path i pursued was focused on basically health and health outcomes for people yeah. so really like interested in jobs that had an impact on people's lives through the health lens um, and that has basically been what I fell back to every time I had a career crisis. Oh, brilliant. And, that's, and that's, so, that's so awesome because you think about what your why is, you know, like Simon Sinek says, is what is your why? And your why is basically this health thing. But a lot of us don't realize that the health thing doesn't, you don't have to be a doctor. You can work in the health sphere or in any sphere 
in any way. It doesn't have to be a particular vocation. Tanya, well, you would have seen that now as your young people are, are now um, about to leave and some of them are definitely not going to be doctors after they've got their grades and they would be so detached from that that um, expectation now and there would have been some tears you would have seen halfway through the year. Yeah, for sure, which, you know, is gutting because that's, they portray their whole journey as that's what they have, that's the reason they're here. It's not about the, like, obviously, yes, it's about the friends and the experience, but at the end of the day, they think that's the be or end all. And so it's about reframing that to say, hey, what is it, you know, about their proficiency you actually like? Are there other subjects that you're enjoying? Are there papers, you know, that you are interested in taking? Because, you know, my, my, my advice always is, you know, it's better to try early on in your degree than get to the end and say, you know, what's this piece of paper for? Because, you know, you don't want to do three years of stuff you don't really enjoy just for the sake of doing it. And it's hard when you're 17, 18 and you've got teachers or parents or other factors that are saying, no, you need to do this. This is the only pathway you can take. And unfortunately, that's the message that we have to change in the current climate. Yeah, I think that's an expectation or a cultural, sometimes a cultural expectation, a narrative that's out there that if you go to university, you need to do X, Y, Z. But anyway, so we come back to Helen. Helen now is decided she's doing biochemistry under the Bachelor of Biomedical Sciences. Now, in this pivot as well, you started finding out a bit more about yourself. You got to, you got started getting involved in different things. What are the kind of associations that you got involved in that actually, if you think back, actually started shifting the way you focused in your in your world? Yeah, um, I would say a really big one. So this is like second and third year um, of undergrad. Um, really, two organizations had a really big impact on me. Um, so I think at the time it was called Atom. It was basically like a science student interest group. Um, towards the end of the year, I'd been on the like committee and we'd gone, what do we actually want to do next year? And a whole bunch of us who were in there were of this med defector or hadn't gotten into med um, kind of group of people. And we were like, you know, we don't, we're not terribly miserable. Like we're not very sad. We've done this time and we've like overcome those emotions. How can we actually help those in first year going through that kind of decision-making process, going through all of the outcomes and like, you know, either meeting or not meeting their own personal expectations for where their career is going to go. How can we support them into more science-focused careers um, and actually show them that, you know, medicine is amazing. Our doctors and our nurses are crucial for our healthcare system, but there is a simple fact that you've got a limited cohort and not everyone who wants to get into med is going to get into med. So how can we help those students go into second year, feeling better, having a home to come to, having a student organization that supports them, gives them social events, help them connect with each other um, so that they enjoy the university experience more and so that they get exposed to those careers in STEM or STEM adjacent fields post-graduation that gives them an idea of where they can go. So... What happened from that was Athen became SOSA, so Science at Otago Student Association. I think it still exists. <laughs> um, we love these acronyms. We're going to go with acronyms, right? Yeah, we'll confirm with another later team. <laughs> yeah, um, but at the time, once SOSA became a thing, we held the first like 
huge science student ball, I think, of the time. Um, $18,000 budget. We had like 200 something people attend. It was amazing, fantastic. That was one of my first experiences in like event management and like marketing. Weird side skills that you develop, but also really important, which I would say is like everything is kind of tied together and fed into future jobs that I've had. Um, and then from Sosa, because I was there and I was part of like the marketing industry engagement team, I was the industry engagement person. There was one person on the team. It was me. <laughs> I met um, at the time Jackie Tsao. He was a CEO of Chiasma down in Dunedin. And that's probably been like the most pivotal student organization I've been involved with. Um, and so I joined Chiasma end of 2018. And then fully in 2019 as like their marketing person, their marketing manager. Um, and in that role, again, Chiasm is all about connecting science STEM students with the industry. So connecting STEM academia and industry to again, really focus on showing STEM students what career paths they've got and supporting them to develop their soft skills that are so necessary for getting a job in. The 21st century. Yeah. Oh, well, how crazy is that? You know, I, I, like, I like to bring that up because, you know, um, I always have the saying that your biggest learning at university happens out of the classroom in the different things that you get involved in. Um, yes. And these are obviously two things that have really stuck out, stood out for you because um, science, science, science is your jam, and now you're doing marketing. Did you ever think that would be the case? Like, oh, I'd actually be involved in this. <laughs> Absolutely not. Like, it was everything to do with marketing, like social media content creation, like at the time Canva was still quite new using Canva, um, figuring out how to get us like a non-profit organization status on Canva so we could get premium for free, um, talking to CEOs of businesses around Dunedin and being like, hi, please give us money. Um, <laughs> we're trying to do good things for science students, please support us. And then actually going into lectures and trying to connect with students and doing that online and in person as well and getting that kind of feedback from science students being like oh my god this is great thank yeah. you um getting that kind of feedback and going like oh shoot like this is actually making an impact yeah. um and I think that's what really stuck with me and I stuck with Kaya's when I moved to Auckland and joined the national committee um which oversees all the regional committees set at the universities um and then now even as an alumni, after I left, after three and a half, four years at Chiasma, um, I'm now an alumni. Oh. And I've been getting, been connected with Deloitte. And that's been so great. We've made a couple of hires through Chiasma hosted events at Deloitte. Um, we've been going to their like flagship networking events. And I'm now kind of, you know, bring that in and show STEM students another career path because I'm living and breathing that career path and it's nuts because I never thought going through undergrad that a big four firm would hire someone with a science degree. And isn't, isn't that crazy how that, um, how, you know, you have no idea with life what's going to happen and how things are going to segue and, and move. And, you know, I want, I want to just touch on one thing that you mentioned before, because, um, you know, not, this is not obvious, but this, some people have this impression that science students are just 
introverts and they just want to focus on science and that's it that's all I want to do but we both know that's not true um, mm. but there's an impression out there so what is it like for you now to go to these science classes at university and go hi science people this other side of life that we want to get involved in was there a initial apprehension or was it hey bring it on because we're missing this in our life I think like having gone to a few careers events there's more and more interest in this like I think people so many people take a BSc a Bachelor yes. of Health Science, a Bachelor of Biomedical Science, so many people. And you've got your researchers in there, but you've also got a whole bunch of people who've come out of university, come out of high school, picked a degree because they were interested in this topic in high school and are now kind of searching for it. And you've got a mix of introverts, extroverts, ambiverts. I'm definitely a mix of both. Um, and they're really interested to see. So we send like people from our health pod to health careers events at the University of Auckland, for example, we send people who've all come from a science or health, public health background. And talking to these students, they're like, oh my God, like, wait, how do you get into consulting with our background? Like, okay. what, what, what do you mean? And we're like, well, when it comes to consulting, it's like, now it's really, really about, at least what you're like, getting a whole bunch of different people because diversity of thought is so crucial. And when you look at diversity of thought, it comes from diversity of background and that's background in every aspect. So your academics, your where you grow up, um, yeah. you know, racial, ethnic, everything, gender. And so from the academic perspective, there's been a long tradition of, you know, you've got your tax, your finance, your economists, your business students, your commerce students, going into consulting um but now they're going wait these science students have all these skills in project management not formal skills obviously but you know when you're planning out your science experiment especially if you go into post-grad research you're yeah. actually doing some pretty good project management you've got great communication skills from having to do all those presentations you're an amazing analyst like research analysts, you're so good at researching, we know where to find information in science students. Yeah. Um, great at synthesizing information, um, great research skills, great writing skills typically as well. So it's actually like a whole bunch of consulting skills that are so needed for the role and are exactly what these firms look for that science students have. And now I think it's all about really showing and communicating to science students this is how you verbalize all these soft skills that you've picked up through your degree on your CV, on your cover letter, so that you stand out to a big forefront. Yeah, and I think I think that's really, really awesome because I think the world is changing. Like you said in your, just now, you said that, hey, um, traditionally big four firms, accountants, find the BCom student, that's it. But actually, you know, the way the world is changing right now, it could be anybody, you know, and as long as you pick up the skills along the way, it could be anything. I, I have a funny story on one of my friends is a doctor and I always tease him because he said to me, he's trying to be a doctor, but he said to me, he wants to be a consultant, a consultant as in not a, not a surgical consultant, right. but he wants, he wants to work for, um, is it Boston? Boston, Boston Consulting. And I remember this so blended because they paid for him to go and have a, a week with them. And I was like, but you, you, you're trying to be a doctor. This, this is blowing my mind. What is, I, I couldn't understand at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And I say to him, why do you want to do that? Then you're training to be a doctor. He's going, no, no, I'm just opening my, my options because you just never know. And conversely, I was 
I was going, why is Boston Consulting actually talking to you? What? This is weird. Um, but it makes it makes total sense, you know, the skill set that you get with whatever program you're doing. It's all those, those other skills which you bring. This, actually, because you become an expert in that area there, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And which like, is really cool. Now we're doing more and more consulting in the health field. Yeah. Because um, it's a time of transformation. It's a time of change. It's a time of technological modernization. Yeah. It's actually really useful to be able to understand all that science health lingo and not be freaked out by the big words that your working groups throw at you. Um, yeah. It's actually been a it's huge strange, benefit in my current yeah. role to be able to talk to these full-on clinicians to be like, yes, I can talk to you in your language. And they're like, amazing. Bring it on. Exactly. Yeah, fantastic. I'm going to ask you a question about so um, STEM. And what what is your thoughts about, or what, what do you have a, a particular passion about a certain, um, say say um, women in STEM or Maori in STEM or refugees in STEM? Is it is it an area that that just resonates with you, Helen? Um, I would say right now it's women in health tech. Yep. Um, I will proudly plug. I am on the steering committee for Women in Health Tech, New Zealand. Brilliant. <laughs> But it's come, it comes from like having worked at a health tech startup and now I'm in health technology consulting. There yeah. still aren't that many women and then women of color in this field, especially back in the startup world. Um, so for me, that's my current passion. It's very much about bringing more women into this previously, getting less so male-dominated field and by being outspoken, I'm still working on it, um, by putting myself out there, basically being able to be like, look, this is a field that we can come into. This is a space that we can be in. Um, it's just needing people who are willing to take that leap of faith and go into a field that may seem a bit scary because we are working in like software. We are changing how things are done and there are you know regulatory risks and everything. But it's a very exciting field to be in. And the more women join, the more of us there will be. And that's really cool. Well, it's always a win, right? I mean, like you said, yeah. right, right, right before you said, you know, diversity of thought doesn't just mean it's it's different, different um cultural competence. It's a male and a female look at things differently. There's no right or wrong way. But there's exactly. a way. Okay, cool. There's awesome opinions to come together to bring a solution. And the way the world is going at the moment, I mean. Hey, you know, it just makes sense. Um, so you're doing this here. Now you finish your your honors program with Otago, done. And then what happens for you then? Because then things shift for you because now you've got this amazingness with Chiasma. You've you've discovered the site. Actually, this tech stuff is really quite cool. Mm. I mean, you know, someone would have been like, oh, Helen, you could do a PhD or a master's at this point in time because that was the, the track record if someone just looks at you academically. But yeah. meanwhile, there's actually a person behind this, this this academic record. And what did Helen think about them? Yeah, um, so a few different things, I would say. So in honors, in my honors year, I'd also been very lucky to join the founding Momentum Investment Committee down at Otago. So this is the student branch of Return on Science. And that was really my first taste of consulting along with doing the um, Ignite consulting yep. like program for the year, um, I was like, yeah, I really like problem solving. And I really like talking and giving people my advice, which is 
a bit of a thing. Um, but I realized I really like innovation and I really like startups. And I've been very fortunate that the lab that I was working in, Sierra Diamai's lab, which has now spun out into Amarok Therapeutics, he was working very much at the forefront of innovative science and discovery and translational science. So really seeing how can we get what's on the lab bench and onto the market shelf into a product that changes people's lives. So I had that wonderful exposure to all those three things. Um, so at the end of my honors year, I kind of realized like that I am social enough that I want to be around people and I can't control myself well enough to not spend 15 hours a day in the lab. So <laughs> I should probably do something about it and change career paths. Um, and I'd also really enjoyed, oh, backtracking a little bit. So all throughout my undergrad, I'd also been working part-time during the school year and then full-time during the summers at ACC. Yeah. So very fortunate that got a nepotism job, um, which in my defense, I went to Wellington Girls and a whole bunch of everyone's parents worked for the public sector. And in that year, I bumped into more than one of my high school friends at ACC who had all been working and like we were all in like the lowest paid admin jobs but our parents were like get some job experience in yeah you're all yeah. doing science degrees you need job experience so yeah. very thankful for that <laughs> yeah. again very fortunate from the opportunities I've been given um yeah. that but, I've also, taken... but also you've taken them right you know yeah. sometimes you take them and you don't do like yep yeah, no this is not my jam yeah <laughs> yeah but having taken that uh, first job at ACC, which was to support their project management office, I got into Shadow or Scrum Master, really understand project management, see it on a technology transformation program. Um, that was my first foray into yeah. tech, um, yeah. which again, comes in very handy trying to get these current jobs in tech. Um, so got in my first foray into tech, Joint worked in like this project management office support role wasn't fancy at all for the first six months. I was literally digitizing a room full of paper, um, not a flashy job. Yes, but um, obviously over time, as I proved myself and I asked to pick up more work, I started working more closely with the quality assurance manager. I became a quality assurance analyst and really learned about software and risks and controls and all of those fun software project things. So at the end of my honors, I was like, okay, project management was pretty cool. I quite enjoyed that side of things. Um, through Momentum, I'd met Andy Schenk, who's the CE of Auckland Junior Services. So the University of Auckland's Technology Transformation Office. The Otago equivalent as Otago Innovation had also met Dave Christensen. They were all like, yeah, startup's great. Um, there's a degree up at Auckland called the Master of Bioscience Enterprise. Yeah, I was like, okay. Makes sense. Finally, finished my honors, had yeah. started doing a R&D internship at Pacific Edge. So commercial R&D. Um, I was like, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll like commercial research science. Liked it, didn't love it, um, had the same issue. I was getting up at five and going into the lab because I wanted to. This yeah. is all because I wanted to. I don't have that much self-control to work a nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
was like, maybe not where I want to be going for a career path. And so I applied for the Master of Bioscience Enterprise, got in, made my plans to move to Auckland, moved to Auckland, um, landed in Auckland in February 2020. Thank you, parents, for all those bills paying apartment hunting skills. Because <laughs> at the time, the Auckland property market was like, you know, when it was probably at its worst, yeah. right? Like it, prices were super high. I was a poor That's, student. Yeah. It was nuts. I'd been to Auckland only once before, and that was for like oh, a wow. So I'd never actually been to Auckland properly. Yeah. Um, we'd always holidays in the South Island. Yeah. as Wellingtonians do um so landed in Auckland no idea never been to the city before but oh my god what a big city for New Zealand um yeah. there's this weird kind of thing in my brain where it's like yeah we go back to like Shanghai and China and I'm like yeah this is a big city but then I landed in Auckland I was like oh my god this is a big city <laughs> yeah because you're living in Wellington right and or you've been in Dunedin <laughs> as well so it's a whole different paradox right exactly um so that was great Started my degree, picked up a part-time job in real estate, which has which is my other passion. I will say my dad was a property developer. Oh, so yes. I grew up doing the whole like playing with blueprints and designing houses and having fun in interior design programs and just loving that side of things. And so I was like, yeah, part-time job in real estate, great. COVID hits, lost my job. Um yeah. And let's 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 take a let's let's, let's shift away from how uh, this progress that, that Helen has. Let's talk about you're in your city now, mm. given that you've been doing it for a long time, you're excited, everything's awesome, and then lockdown happens. What is that like for you? Because new place, everything's brand new. Yeah. Um not great. I was yeah. in like a tiny apartment, um, literally like four by three kind of apartment. Oh wow. Like Thankfully, my flatmate went back home to Hamilton, so I had the house for my apartment, the shoebox yeah. for my, uh, which meant that I had like a corridor to do some exercise in during COVID. Um, yeah. yeah, so not great. And, and I guess also, you know, at this point, you're now doing a a, um, a postgraduate program, which is a whole different beast altogether as opposed to an undergrad. You know, so new city new program, a high-level program, shoebox apartment. What is it like for you as, as a person, I guess, as a human being? Yeah, um, so very different postgrad programs than honours and yeah. research. This is business and more like, like the other side of the world, um, the science world. And... I think having to do a program that's designed to be done in person with round tables and project teams, yes. it was ridiculously challenging. Um, being stuck in a tiny apartment didn't help. My saving grace, I think, is I had met my current boyfriend, um, at the start of our degree, so we do we did the same master's program. Two weeks into having moved to Auckland, I met him for the first time. Wasn't quite head over, head over heels, love at first sight. Um, but we had become pretty good friends, and our first date was actually the day that lockdown was announced. So March oh, wow. third, 
2020, around 12 p.m., around 11.30ish, we were on our dates having lunch. We find out that COVID lockdowns being announced. And we're like, right. <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs> I, guess Wait, the, I guess that could be either a saving grace or in your case, it was like, oh, damn, you know, if it, if it didn't work out well, cool. I've got yeah, the excuse well, not, to, not to see yeah. you again. <laughs> well, no, because we were doing the same degree. Oh, yeah, like, oh, yeah, it's going to be awkward yeah. now. All right, yeah, fantastic. So crazy. Yeah. So, so see the Hail Mary, we're like, all right, let's. We like talking to each other. Um, yeah. And I think he took a bit of pity on me, realizing that I was stuck up in Auckland by myself. He's from Auckland, so he was living at home, um, obviously much more comfortable than my situation. Yes. But taking it all away from the career thing and talking about relationships, oh my God, having five, six weeks, I think before we were able to like see each other again, um, where the only thing we could do was talk to each other. We got all of those uncomfortable relationship conversations out of the way. And I highly recommend that for anyone who's dating. Talk about those things that make you uncomfortable. Talk about finances, what you want to do with children, your family plans, your religious background, all of those things, all your deal breakers, um, because then you figure out if they're a good fit or not. And so we've got all of that done. We spend about four to five hours a day talking to each other. Um, He still claims to this day that I screwed up his sleep schedule forever, but it takes two to tango. Um, they could have said they could have said i'm gonna end the call now right he could have done that he could have not not talked to me he could have just been like i nearly got to sleep it's 3 a.m but no we were on that phone call together so (laughs) um yeah he basically got me through that first lockdown yeah because otherwise i yeah i would have just important it's really important because I think that I think in the lockdown, this is when we realized the human contact. And Tana, you went back home for the lockdown, which I think was good for you as well, because there was a, because you just arrived at the university, but basically, basically the same story like Helen, you arrived in Dunedin and it was time, time to go back essentially. Yeah, which, you know, was imperfect timing because we, you know, I just got to meet all these new people. Um, obviously I knew a few people down here, but majority of them I didn't know. And it was just past that phase of being awkward and, you know, having one or two people that you latch on to to actually starting to get to know your group and settling down and knowing how classes work and then we all had to go home, which, you know, although it was although I reflect on that as the good thing to do right then and there and, you know, definitely the better thing to do in the long run. I think at the time I was a bit like, well, there goes my chance to, you know, make this opportunity or make this journey my own. So yeah, pros and cons of everything. And, and yeah. I guess you, you you went back home to your family, which is different as well compared to Helen, who whose family was not in Wellington, sorry, in Auckland. Yeah, which was good. I you know it was always good to go back home, um, and especially to have family around, support around. Um, but I think the one challenge was trying to stay on top of my studies and my schedule when everybody else had a completely different schedule to me. And I think yeah. that's the thing I've realised as I go home more and more now is that everyone else's schedule isn't working around mine anymore. You know, when I was at high school, it was fine because my little brother, my little sister also went to school. Mum was teacher aide, so they would work around or have similar schedules to me where now I go home and they've all got a schedule while I'm on break. So 
worlds are changing. Yeah. How did you find doing your and like almost entire undergrad like remotely? Um, I think it's definitely been challenging. Um, I think my biggest probably accomplishment in terms of that first year was knowing that if I sat down and stuck to the schedule that I was given in that first two weeks of lockdown, regardless of whether we were online or not, I knew that I could get through um, by sticking to that schedule. So that worked really well. But I think what I found in the long term is you don't go to uni for the content, you know, like you can watch it online, but it's not as engaging as actually being there in person. And it's the small things that you miss. It's the walking back from a lecture with your mates and being like, oh, I actually didn't like that lecture or I really enjoyed that lecture and finding common struggles and also common interests that you have with the peers around you. And I think that's probably something our cohort has missed a lot is that you know, I'm finishing these three years and I know most of my peers pretty well, but I don't think we got as many opportunities as other cohorts do to actually connect and bond, you know, over this experience. And I think for like undergrad, that's, even more so true than you know me having doing postgrad. I think in undergrad that that's when you are really in a cohort and you're bonding as like people, young adults, you know, your first foray into the adult world and getting that opportunity, right? Mm. Yeah, totally. And, and those, those are your formative experiences as well. You know, your formative experiences at university are based on those conversations that you have waiting in line or when a lecturer makes a mistake in a class or has an amazing experience that you go, wow, this is amazing. Or when someone is lighting up their hand, you know, if they light up their hand on the on a Zoom call or whatever, who cares? But when they light up their hand in person, you feel the heat, you hear the sound, it's so, so different. And um, you know, it's it's really it's really interesting that you that you brought that up, um, Helen, because you know, you never you never think about that. Everyone just thinks, like, oh, it's hard for young people because they're not in there in their rooms. But actually, like Hannah said, it's actually a lot more than that there. And this is a fear that I have, and I think the two of you might also um, empathize with this. This is a fear I have for the young people coming through. So, Tana, you had your your university experience online, a lot of it. But now we're going to have a generation of young people that are coming from school that the last three years, which are the last three seniors of school that have basically been online. You know, so year 11, lockdown. Year 12, if you're in Auckland, basically there was another lockdown year. And this year, the disruption with COVID and online learning has just been crazy. So, so to me, working in my current space, obviously this is going to filter out into all the different spaces, is the cohort that leaves high school this year is going to be, the well, my my opinion, it could be totally wrong, the least prepared socially, socially academic to go to wherever, whatever the next stage is. And that's a, how do you deal with that, you know? That's a whole different world. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess in your space, the technology is amazing because they they are now technologically afraid with, with the tools that they're, that they have been given. Yeah. It's a perception, right, isn't it? I think it's a very interesting balance um, because while tech is great and we've got all these very tech-savvy people coming into the workforce or going to university, what they haven't been given the opportunity to do is develop those in-person social skills. And unfortunately, the world of business is still the world of business. Um, We've bounced back pretty strong after COVID. Um, It's still all about networking and that human touch. So I think for, you know, the cohort that went through basically their entire undergrad in lockdown, they've been done a huge disservice by global pandemic. Um, 
in that they haven't been given those opportunities to connect and figure out all those different social cues and as they get older what does that look like going into the workforce so yeah I hope that we will have all the support structures in place to support them and to, to support them to success um, I think it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of hard work from seniors yeah. to make sure that it's that landing pad and I guess nobody knows because you don't know what you don't know. And I guess, you know, these skills are non-quantifiable. There's, there's, no, there's no tangibility to the soft skills here. So, yeah. you know, whereas, whereas if, if if I don't know how to to say a calculus equation, so like, here you go, off you go, learn a calculus equation. But if I don't know how to speak to somebody, not because I, I don't know, it's just I haven't learned the skills. How do you do that in a in a brain that's now developed a little bit more than as a as an 18-year-old, you know, when you're 21 or 22, things are changing. So, um. It's going to be a fun time over the next few years, I reckon. Fun in inverted commas. Yeah. Um, sorry, Helen, you were saying? Oh, no, I was just agreeing and saying it's probably, you know, where all those social student organisations play a really strong role as well in being that linchpin between students. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. You know, the social organisations, I think most of our guests that we've had on here have, have all spoken about getting involved in some organization that has just changed their way they to look at things um yeah i mean it's fantastic you can't you can't put money on that that is just so much so much value on that so now you you you're doing this you're doing this online um dating with your with your not dating online relationship an online relationship with your with your current boyfriend and then you you got a lockdown for like what how long was it how long we out of lockdown in auckland i can't remember before you went back in was it oh not very long like yeah. we went yeah. to like level three for a couple of months and then first yeah. we went back into lockdown and yeah. then for big leap of leap big leap of faith i was stuck in my second tiny apartment um <laughs> and my partner's family was basically like come live with us okay you've yeah. only been dating for four months but come live with us because wow. this is ridiculous. you're not spending another lockdown in a tiny apartment yeah um, so very, very fortunate to have done that. Very big leap of faith. But thankfully, yeah. thank God, we get along so well. Um, I love them to bits. And it was actually quite funny. Um, the first time our classmates realized that we were sitting right next to each other in the middle of lockdown. Because we hadn't told anyone that we were dating. Yeah. Um, but then all of a sudden, everyone's like, Wait a minute. Background. Are you in the same room? Crazy. Um, yeah, so in the glass class group chat, it was like, yes, yes, we are dating and I am just living with him in Auckland and Lockdown. Um, but actually that was great because we created our own little study room. Um, yep. and we were able to get some semblance of normalcy to our class schedule and actually you know, physically drag each other to the table to study and get our work done. Um, so yeah. And yeah, you know, and you like you said, um, right at the start of this, you said, you know, the whole round the table discussions were not was really hard to do, but now you could actually replicate that in the situation, which obviously is a way, way, way better learning environment than yes. um chatting at the AM in the morning over your your problems. Exactly. So talking about classwork together was actually amazing because he is the opposite of me in so many ways 
um, and especially in the ways that we think. So we'll always have the same end goal, but we yeah. get to it like this. <laughs> so it was wonderful to have that learning experience with him. Um, and I think, you know, obviously that solidified our bond because we right. now live together. <laughs> very, very cool. What, 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 a, what a crazy story, right? You know, in terms of how this has just played out, you know, because you have your yeah. study and your career pathway going this way here and then life comes and goes, wait a minute, what about other part yeah. of your life? And you're like, oh, crazy and that also brings skills and you you know you made the most of that there you also mentioned the word startup in the in just earlier on so this is when you also um was this when you started getting involved with the clinician is this the time there yeah yes yes so through the master of bioscience enterprise program you have your postgraduate diploma year which is one year and then like a one one and a half year master's program where you write your thesis and have one semester of like class learning um, so for that master's year, what we what the course does is it ensures that everyone has a placement at a company in the commercialization startup ecosystem to get that hands-on work experience. And so I got lucky and got an internship, like a summer internship with the clinician. Um, and then after going in very quickly, just jumped up the ranks a little bit. Because um, I had all that prior working experience. So at that point, I had three and a bit years of prior working experience. And actually, I'd spent six months during my postgraduate diploma year um, working for another real estate company where I was a PA and had just basically taken on a lot of the customer relationship management side mm -hmm. of things. So I had sales experience. And so I went into a bit more of a business development product specialist role, and I held that role just both sides, straddling both sides of the fence um, for 13 months with the clinician and really, really getting to exercise my, what would you call it? I don't know, my comfortability muscle. And basically the company gave me all these opportunities to go outside of my comfort zone and to really, really grow in my career. And I'm so thankful for them for that because it accelerated my career so much. Um, to the point where when this Deloitte opportunity came along, I was able to skip those grad years and go towards the end of the consulting band because I had all of this relevant career experience. Yeah, it's crazy how that worked out. You know, now, um, yeah. like you said before, you know, all these opportunities appeared, you took up these opportunities, and when this role came up, it basically, you leapfrogged all those other traditional ways that you could get to that stage if you want to go in a traditional big four internship blah, blah 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 but all your other experiences came through which is um pretty amazing um pretty amazing and i guess you as you i mean knowing you helen as you went along at each stage you picked up some stuff about yourself as a person you know it wasn't just about career growth um you learned about yourself as a person and you're like you said before you were pushed out of your comfort zone is there anything specific any one specific i guess example where you were really pushed out of your comfort zone that just always stands out for you as a well what a moment if you'd like to share that Yeah, I can, I can imagine. <laughs> pushed out of my comfort zone. You know, when you get pushed out of your comfort zone so much that it's almost like Stockholm Syndrome, like if you're not being pushed yeah. out of your comfort zone every day, you think yeah. there's something wrong. Yeah. And then you start doubting your career. 
and you realize that you might need to leave because you're not being pushed out of your comfort zone. So you're like, oh my God, am uh, I, I, I don't stag- know what you're, talking, you're talking about. I have no idea at all what you're talking about. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, that's basically where I'm at. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I can't give you a specific example where I haven't, where, no, where it's been so out of my comfort zone, but I can say give you an example where I let myself be comfortable okay. and being comfortable caused a few things to happen. <laughs> um, I only like it, isn't it? Crazy. Yeah, it's quite recent. So this was while I was at Deloitte. Um, they had been amazing, supporting me all throughout finishing my master's program. And I've been pushed so hard throughout June, July, when I was finishing my master's and working full time and you know a little bit of overtime. Um, and then doing my other extracurriculars because I can't give up those either. And I wanted to do everything um, while having a household of two of us now and a cat and like trying to maintain a home dynamic that I burnt out again. Um, I'm averaging once a year now, Patricia, it's not oh, good. Um, once a year, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, but this one was probably probably one of the worst that I've had since year 13. So the worst that I've had since year oh, 13. Wow. Um, and basically in August, my team, amazing people, just let me work a nine to five. I did my full-time commitment to my clients. I'm fully sold to a client at the moment, which is great because it means I'm supposed to work 40 hours a week and that's it. Yeah. Um, I let myself be comfortable in that role. And then I was like, oh no. I'm comfortable in my role, I should quit my job, um, oh. which is a really interesting mental loop to get stuck yeah. in because yeah. um, I got into a really weird space where I was like, I'm comfortable in my job. This is not right. Something's wrong. I need to change this. What do I do when I need to change things and move on? Um, yeah, so I almost quit my job. Didn't. Very big learning point. Talk to your coaches and your mentors because yeah. They'll pull you out of it. Um, yeah. So I ended up talking to Kate Reed, who's partner in charge of health. And I basically broke down to her in the middle of the office in a meeting room. But there were tears during the workday, which is a very interesting um, place to get to. <laughs> like I'm crying on a Tuesday at work. It's 12 p.m. What's going on? Yeah. Um, but basically spilt my heart, heart out to her. And she is an amazing empathetic leader who I look up to so much. And may or may not have been one of the reasons why I was like, yeah, do what I'm still going, because she was the first person to interview me formally. And I was like, oh, beautiful. Yeah. she's been someone I've looked up to in the sector for ages. I can't believe she's the one hiring. Oh my God, I fangirl to her in the interview. I will, yeah, I did that. Um, I don't know if she appreciated it. I hope she did. Um, oh, you got the job, right? That's all that matters. Hi, Kate, if you're listening. <laughs> Um, but she's been an amazingly empathetic leader. And through that process, she supported me through it. We looped in my coach, so my career coach, my project coach, um, the project leader, and basically amazing support system to get me to a point where I'm happy. And so now, like as of probably like a month ago, so it took a month. Like this, this whole mental thing happened in the wow. time span of a month and a half. Um, yeah, but now I bounced back and I'm loving the job again. So 
Fantastic. And Basically, I, and I, my learning point from this is don't try and solve all of these things by yourself. Like we're in an amazing time. I'm thankfully at an amazing company with all these wonderful support systems and fantastic people. Um, so for me, it was very much like just get out of my own head and take yeah. that step to asking for help. And I, you know, that's a huge thing right now, right? Ask for help. Yeah. Because there are support systems in place now, it's not the early 2000s. <laughs> it's not before then. Um, you yes. can ask for help now. Mental health is very much a thing. And I will absolutely plug Deloitte as being an amazing employer who genuinely cares about the mental health of their people. And I think, you know, the big four get a really bad rep for not caring about their people. But I will say that having been at Deloitte, I've only seen care and like genuine dedicated efforts to looking after their people um so i'm very thankful that i had that support system because otherwise it could have gone you know the complete opposite direction so, yeah. and i'd be telling you about my new job um which yeah working like 60 yeah. hours a week and you're like yeah, I'm, I'm normal now this is great 60 hours a week bring it on 65 it's all good i'm really glad that you that you sought that help and tyler i'm just going to bring you in here because there was a time early in the this year or last year where you felt the same as well um do you want to talk about that as well yeah i think it was just struggling in terms of motivation and trying to get through everything and wanting to do everything and i think that just comes down to probably the society we live in now where everybody you know is so pressured to try and do things and even now you know i reflect on the first years and i have a few of my own residents who are pushing themselves quite hard in their first year to not only do study, but try and find a part-time job that relates to the field that they want to get in with their degree um, on top of volunteering and doing all these other things. And I think it's just insane that we're pushing young people to do this at such a young age, you know, like, yes, there's a point where we need to challenge ourselves and we need to, you know, push outside of our comfort zones, but there also needs to be room to adjust and room to allow ourselves to have freedom and to do the things that we actually want to do because you know like at the end of the day i think so you know you want to be doing the things you're doing because you want to do them not because people say oh it's going to look good on your cv it's going to be good when you get to get an interview because you're not going to get to that interview if you're constantly burnt out and not enjoying what you're doing and i think that's where we just again have to change the message around why it is we're doing what we're doing yeah and i guess you know for you i mean i'm speaking on your behalf but you can always um correct me i think the biggest thing for you was when you picked up rugby league again this year because that's a passion of yours for a long time and you you just stopped it because everything else you were doing so much in your life that you just put that away and um yeah do you want to talk about that there yeah uh, so yeah picked it up again this year i haven't played since year 13 um because back home it went from under 17 straight to um prems which is just men's so any uh, open age which was quite a big jump and I wasn't willing to do it at the time. Like I didn't think, I didn't see the value in it and I could still play high school rugby with a lot of my friends. So um, done that and then came down to Dunedin and just played rugby. Um, rugby league isn't so big in Dunedin or in the South Island in general. Um, but going back into it this year, I see the reason why I enjoyed it in the first place. And I think, I think it was good to have a break like it was definitely good to have those years away from the sport but it's definitely good to also go and revisit it and I think sometimes we 
have a situation or a circumstance that means we can't do something that we enjoy or something that we love and we always hold on to that and make that the reason why we continue to not do it but sometimes you know it's just a one-year thing or a, a speed bump that will allow you to actually refine that passion and I think yeah that's what we just have to realize in those situations yeah awesome and I think revisiting is a great way you know in your, in your case you revisited why you went back to the sport Helen in your case you went to actually speak about it and go this is what my situation is as opposed to just making a decision I'm quitting my job or I'm not doing it ever again and I think the revisiting is something that needs to be just normalized or the reconversation with with people that you trust and people that were looking out for you as opposed to looking out for your next step because that's a little bit different exactly um we've been talking for almost almost one one hour 15 minutes i think um which is fantastic we can keep we can keep talking but i guess helen um before we round off i just want to ask you at this point in time so you are in this space here um if I if we go back to the impact that you're having, do you want to just talk about how your how your impact in the space that you're working is 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 helping the health sector? I guess you know, going back to your your passion right from the start was to make an impact in the health sector. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would say you know my current project and my technology transformation program right now, we are bringing in some pretty awesome tech to bring a national program into modern age. Um, we're being a part of this whole health sector change, which I think is where I'm scratching that itch, right? Like we are there putting in new systems in place um, that will support clinicians to do their job better, will support patients and get them a better experience and it's all about this change from like the old system with our old tools to this new technologically advanced world where healthcare is able to be delivered better, like you experience it better, it's better for the clinicians who are delivering the healthcare. So being in that space is very interesting and seeing and being able to like stay on the pulse of all these new innovations that are coming in and thinking about how can we bring that in into the New Zealand context and make sure that we, um, as a New Zealand company, are doing our part to help improve health outcomes for New Zealanders and especially help improve those equity outcomes for Māori and for Pacifica and for other ethnic groups. Um, how can we bring in innovative technology to support all of this work that's going on? So being a part of that and seeing it from this lens has been actually very rewarding because we interact with clinicians and we interact with patients but then you see all the machinery that goes on in the background that enables a lot of things so we're part of the enabling factors and i quite enjoy that um and that's, that's really cool you know because the impact that you have i i, I um I sometimes say this to young people I, I go to young people cool you want to help people that's amazing everybody wants to help people but when we think about, say, the health sector, I'm just picking the health sector for a second. Mm. I'm going to go, you want to be a doctor. That's awesome. That's fantastic. We need doctors in our lives. But for you sitting here today, if you would think of yourself as a doctor, you're going to help one person. Okay, that's awesome. But if you want to work in the health sector, you, you, work in, you could work in public health, but you're going to help a lot of people. You know, yeah. so sitting there today, there's no right or wrong decision right here. You know yourself as a person. Which kind of person do you want to be? And exactly. people can make a decision based that way, you know. And at the moment, you know, 
year 12, year 13, I want to be a doctor, that's cool, but still have the thing. Now you go, actually, I'm still having the impact, but it's mm. it's crazy awesome. And, and but you know what? It's never too late to change. Exactly. Like right. a lot of my team at Deloitte um, have masters in public health. Yeah. Um, we've got physiotherapists, we've got nurses, we've actually, you know, we've got practitioners who've spent years practicing and then have made that change into digital transformation um, or other consulting service lines. And it's never too late to change. Whatever experience you gather, no matter what field it's in, it's like you're always learning something that's going to be useful for your next job that you can leverage for a career change. So I think that's also a really important thing to keep in mind is like, you know, we've got a health practice now where everyone has some sort of STEM or health background, but we are all in this consulting space because we wanted a change, wanted to be in the health sector in a different way. Like there are so many different cogs that make the wheels of the health sector turn. And as you get exposed to more people, as you get exposed to more jobs, more like organizations, as you progress through your career, you're going to see, oh, there are actually a whole bunch of different roles that you can do in the health sector and still make an impact. Because at the end of the day, if we're in health, we're delivering things to people that end up in hopefully improving outcomes. Um, so yeah, I think that's also a really important thing to keep in mind. Your STEM degree is great. Keep doing it. There are so many career paths ahead of you. Yeah, it's really cool. I like how you said, um, you know, gone is gone is the time where you had to just do the same thing over and over again. You can change and you can, you might have to do a little bit of retraining, a little bit in some cases, some cases no retraining at all. And, you know, yeah. you're good. And if you get into a place, you might get a workplace that actually supports your retraining. So that's really awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Deloitte um, supports professional development. And I'm so thankful for that because I have no formal experience, like no formal qualifications in anything that I'm doing right now. I have one now as of yesterday. Yes, you that did. Exactly. Right yeah. Agile. Um, agile. Agile. Yes. Yeah, uh, safe agile. So scaled agile framework. Well done. Yeah. Okay. So like all of those things, this is companies realize they're there for the people. More and more, I think people are like companies are realizing it's about the people that you have. You can always train someone in the hard skills, but yeah. at the end of the day, it's your soft skills, your ability to work in a team, your ability to communicate, problem solve. That's what companies are looking for these days. It's very interesting. Um, I just listened to a podcast this, this afternoon as I was walking for a little walk. And one phrase just took out for me is the world has changed and we should look at people should hire for character and train for skill. I was like, that is really cool because everyone's character is sort of different but if you have the right character the skill you'll be able to pick it up and you'll be able to train them for the skill as you just said just now it's awesome and um i can keep talking forever and ever but i think we should run off our podcast and to run off our podcast i'm going to ask you a question which um i love this question here so our our podcast is called baskets of knowledge and every every week or every episode we invite our guests to Give us one piece of knowledge that you'd like people to put into their basket of knowledge. And it could be from anything in your life, it could be anything that's just enough for you. Or would you like to, is there anything you'd like to share with us and our listeners? Yeah. Um, figure out your why. I think that's the most important thing you could do for your career is figure out your why. Not your what, your why. Because at the end of the day, 
your why is what's going to keep you emotionally, spiritually satiated. And as long as you're in a job that answers your why to an extent, you'll be relatively happy, if not really happy. Yeah, awesome. Exactly. Always remember your why, not your what and not your how, just remember your why. So that's a great way of learning. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And I guess that's a theme that went through your whole your whole journey so far, you know, um, your why. Yes. Tana, any last words? No, I, oh, I don't think so. Yeah, in terms of remembering your why, I think it's, yeah, it's always good to reflect on your why. And it's also good to know that even if your pathway does change, it doesn't matter if your why has remained the same. Yeah, beautiful. Awesome. Um, Helen, um, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. I Thank um, you for having me. No worries. And like at the start, I mean, I, there's a reason why you're on today because um, you're an amazing person and thank you for sharing your experience and your stories. And, you know, um, I look forward to seeing you, how you keep on growing. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I won't be surprised if I see you doing something pretty out there um, in the world. Like, I know I know that person there. Um, so thank you for your time. And thank you, Tane, for joining us as always. Um, for our listeners out there, thank you for listening in. Hopefully you found this podcast interesting. Um, if you haven't, why not? Um, remember to keep sharing, liking, and commenting. Without you, this podcast doesn't really grow. Thank you very much. Until next time, kakite. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Baskets of Knowledge. Yeah, we hope that you found something useful to put into your basket of knowledge. And as we said before, remember to put something little into your baskets of knowledge every week. And as always, feel free to like, comment, and share this podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye.